Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God again, and... uh, what is that kingdom? I was just informing some people that uh, what that kingdom was and how it operated and the fact that it is actually here now, it's within your reach. You're supposed to be seeking it and the righteousness of God at the same time. And that actually was a functioning government, kingdom. Governments and kingdom, that's the same thing, isn't it? And Jesus said, I'm going to take the kingdom away from you, talking to the Pharisees. So they were actually running a government. So that's what he was going to take away from them, the government, the reins of government. And he was going to appoint it to another group, the little flock. He says, it is my pleasure to appoint unto you a kingdom. And then he says, I appoint unto you a kingdom. But you are not to be like the governments of the other nations. So this is this is a government that Jesus was preaching. It's not like the governments of the other nation, though, that exercise authority one over the other. It is a government that operates by free will offerings, just like it did under the days of the Levites. No exercising authority, no executive office, no king. Every man was returned to his family and every man to return to his possessions. And now he could do what was right in his own eyes. But you cannot stay in the kingdom. You are not in the kingdom. You are not a part of the kingdom. You are not a follower of Christ unless you are doing what's right in Christ's eyes. You have to have the eyes of Christ. What would Jesus do? A lot of people used to ask that. There were t-shirts with, what would Jesus do? Well, what would Jesus do? <laughs> what was he doing? What 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 kind of thing is going on with Jesus? And uh, how is he? Uh, would he do things if Jesus was doing things? And that's that's really important to understand and to be a part of what Jesus would do and how he would be doing it. The thing is, is when we're talking about the kingdom of God and his righteousness, we actually have to be doing things in a righteous way. Now, I I was talking with somebody on the network who just recently came on the network. He's written a book about law and he really kind of misses it because he misses, this is the thing, that if you leave out Certain pieces of the puzzle. Nothing will fit. It will. You cannot finish the puzzle. And if you, the more pieces you leave out, the more you can't put it together. It's kind of like, you know, you if you take the engine of a car apart and then you put it back together. It used to be a joke that uh, one guy who was always working on people's cars that he, he didn't charge anything because they always broke down again. But he just made his money on the extra parts left over after he put it back together. <laughs> There was actually a, a bunch of bolts still, you know, he put everything in this big wash tub to clean it as he took things apart and put them back together. But when he was done, there were still all kinds of bolts and stuff that he took out. There was another guy who did the same thing, old guy. He would take things, oh, you don't need that. Oh, you don't need that. 
<laughs> Actually, you do need some of those things. They're very important, you know. So, uh, it's the same way with the kingdom. You just can't leave stuff out. And, and what they do is they leave something out and they leave in its place some ritual or ceremony. The rituals and ceremonies of the Old Testament were metaphors. They were allegories of what they were actually supposed to be doing. And, and we've told this. I didn't mention this to him yet. Uh, the, the people were supposed to sew the underwear. You know, make the underwear of the Levites. You think that was really important to God that you make the underwear for the Levites? Because, see, they couldn't go up by steps because they were naked. And they needed this underwear to cover up their nakedness. And so in case they did go up by steps, so nobody saw their nakedness. What the heck is that all? <laughs> do you really think it has anything to do with BBDs and the Fruit of the Looms? That's a metaphor. Write it down. It's a, it's a story, like an allegory. Trying to tell you that he's naked. That means without authority. He could not exercise authority one over the other. That's the same thing Jesus is saying. You're not to be like the governments of the Gentiles who exercise authority. It's a different kind of government. And when I say government, you think somebody who's going to boss you around. No. The kingdom of God, the ministers of the kingdom of God can't boss you around. They can tell you what you ought to do. They can tell you about principles and they can decide whether or not they serve you. If they see you doing things wrong, you know, they can they can stone you, <laughs> which isn't really stone you. They inform the other stones what you're doing. You don't really need help. You're squandering all your money because you got a gambling problem or a drinking problem or a drug problem. And therefore, you cut off from welfare. And you will starve in the street. Because you're not dealing with your problem. <laughs> Which is alcohol or drugs or whatever it is. Or the fact that you're lazy and can't keep a job. Or got a bad temper and can't keep a job. And they they confront you with this. And this is important to confront you with this. Because it's not going to make you strong by feeding you when you're being lazy or selfish or whatever it is that you're being. And so, because the Levites were the social welfare of the system of the kingdom of God. This is, this is how they operated. And they did it through your sacrifice. You gave to the Levites and the Levites were able to use those funds to help out the widows and orphans and needy of society that were were having trouble. Now, you, you don't just send it all to some common treasury way up there where thieves and robbers can break in. You, you deal with it on a local basis, in a local congregation. You help the widows and orphans and needy in your local congregation. But we know there are times when, you know, there's economic dearths or depressions in certain areas and they don't have the money to help their widows and orphans. They barely have enough money to help themselves. So you have this international network where you can send funds and supplies and what's needed to the Greeks if they their daily ministration is being neglected. Or you can send it to the Galatians or to the, which are actually Greeks, but, uh, you know, the Corinthians or whoever. 
but you needed this you know a way in which to do it, which is why they picked seven men to wait on tables, no to work as a bank. That's what that means. That's the word they have there that you see translated tables is actually the word that is translated also bank. You see, when Jesus was tipping over the tables of the money changers, he was turning over the the control of the bank <laughs> in, in the temple to somebody else. But he couldn't appoint them on his own because he never could appoint them on his own. He could fire them. But he couldn't. the people had to look out amongst themselves and pick new guys to be in charge of the bank in the temple, the treasury. I mean... Jesus is seen instructing the ministers in the treasury. That's what it says. And they actually use the word gastophone, which meant royal treasury. This street itinerant preacher? No, he's the king. Write it down. <laughs> Pay attention. <laughs> so, anyway, you don't get that. I mean, you say it with your mouth, but then you actually pray to the kings of the earth. For your benefits. You should be going to church for those benefits. Because taking care of the needy of your society is a religious activity. That's what religion was. The pious performance of your duty to your fellow man and to God. And your duty to God is to love your fellow man. You know, in Proverbs 9 8, it says, Reprove not the scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. I'm rebuking you. You love it? <laughs> okay. Proverbs 13.1 The wise son heareth his father's instruction, but the scorner heareth not rebuke. The wise son. Are you a child of God? Then you should hear this. You should be taking care of all the social welfare within your congregations through faith, hope, and charity. Wow. Are you ready to do that? I mean, people don't even do that within their family. Sons aren't taking care of their parents and their grandparents. They got the government doing it. They do no more art for their parents. Oh, they might do a little bit, but it's token stuff. The big stuff. The debts and the house and everything, that's all paid for by the government. They don't pay for that. They they have the government pay for it. They say, oh, well, we paid in. We paid in our Social Security. You know, my father, my grandfather paid in, and the government took that money. Well, you paid in because you were a member. You were a member because you signed up. And you signed up because your preachers didn't teach you that that was a covetous system. They didn't teach you. See, that you know, years ago, the church took care of all the social welfare of the people. There was no government social welfare. Years ago. And, and it got in the habit of doing that. But then it said, you know, like if I have to help take care of all these widows and orphans by myself, I'm not going to be able to get that really nice fishing boat that I want when I retire. <laughs> or whatever it was. You had to take care of the needy if you were going to be a minister of Christ. And that often meant, because people are sometimes selfish, that you had to sacrifice out of your own pocket. Out of your own time and energy. I mean, it's a real drain. 
mostly because the elders, the presbyters, that's what presbyters is, you know, Presbyterians think they're, and elders, elders of the family are not really contributing on a regular basis. So the minister has to, you know, get up at four and five o'clock in order to do work so that he can also find time to do three radio programs a day. <laughs> and then if he takes some of that time to uh, to answer people who don't understand the kingdom, then somebody else has to do his chores for him. <laughs> so his family suffers. It's it's it takes a lot of time and energy to be ministers of the gospel of the kingdom. And we don't even take care of all the widows and orphans yet. And the needy of our society. We're starting to. But it is it is like herding cats. People are over here and oh, we have communion. We make this little wafer of bread in our oven. You know, we do it ourselves, you know, unleavened bread. And then we have that, and that's our communion. What do you do if you have to, you know, what do you do for lunch? <laughs> what about second breakfast? Communion was actually loaves. And, you know, maybe they were unleavened, but they were piles of bread. They tell you that in the first and second century. They gather up bread and they take it to the houses. Because, see, Christians would not sign up for the free bread of the government. They couldn't, when there was a shortage of bread in the community, they couldn't go get the free bread from the government. They had to take care of one another. So how are you going to do that? People are always asking me, how does this translate into today? Well, the fact is, is that what if there's a bread shortage, food shortage, actual, you know, like empty shelves in the United States like there was in Venezuela? Where are you going to get your bread? What happened if they go to food rationing? You don't get a ration ticket unless you got the number of the state. You know, some guy was trying to tell me that it's IP, it's your IP address. <laughs> That's the mark of the beast. What is that? That got to be in your head and in your hand. <laughs> you got a social security card in your hand or you've memorized the number in your head. And that number comes from the government. And every nation in the world has a, a similar number. And they're all linked together by treaties. And you can't get a driver's license, a passport, a bank account, a job. Without that number. Without that number, you might die. Isn't that what the prophecy is? <laughs> so, you guys should be paying attention. You, It's already here. You already got it. Now, people said, well, no, I don't have the mark of the beast. If I had the mark of the beast, I'd be condemned to the lake of fire. It doesn't say that. Oh, I'd be going to hell. It doesn't say that. It says that you're going to suffer the wrath. You know, what? what's the wrath of God? You know, like fire and brimstone coming down? Like the people in Egypt? It was coming. Now, you can you can be protected from that if you actually repent and start seeking the kingdom of heaven, which is this way of taking care of one another through free will offerings. The straight way of the Lord, like John the Baptist said, you do, you know, you have two coats, do the same in meats, you know, share. 
Everybody else wanted to do it by force. Pharisees wanted to do it by force. Herod wanted to do it by force. Augustus Caesar wanted to do it by force. Trib, uh, Tiberius, Caligula, all wanted to do it by force. Force the offerings of the people, and then that takes care of the needy of society. It goes into a treasury, and then that treasury buys free bread and hands it out when it's needed. As well as, I mean, it gave out money. It gave out cheese. It gave out wine. All these things. It wasn't just bread. And that's where they get their bread today. They say, oh, well, we don't get our bread. We buy our bread with other funds. We we just uh, pay the big bills with the Social Security check, which they owe us because they stole that from us. No, they didn't steal it from you. You signed up. You already got, you know, this whole thing with prophecy. I mean, people have been prophet. Prophesying is a, usually means a prediction. And I predict that some of you are not going to like to hear what I'm going to tell you. <laughs> so I just prophesied. <laughs> some of you might hear and some of you might be saved. Not by what I say, but by the fact that you have ears to hear and eyes to see. If you do, God gave them to you. Don't think you're that smart. There were a lot of prophecies and warnings that there would be false prophets who deceiveth the whole world. It says the whole world's going to be deceived. Even the very elect, except for the, by the grace of God. It said that we might be entangled again in the elements of the world, the constitutional orders and systems of government. Because you didn't know that Jesus gave you a government. Protestants are really have a hard time with this. and and But they're just the daughters of the Roman church. And the Roman church understood that the church was a government, but didn't understand what kind of government. Instead of taking care of the needy of society, they crowned kings over men. I'm not crowning any kings over men. I'm trying to return every man to his possessions and every man to his family. But when I come on the scene, you're already entangled in the elements of the world. And you are again in the bondage of Egypt. Except for it's worse for you than it was in Egypt. You've all become merchandise. You've all cursed your children. You're all surety for debt. You see, as soon as you signed up for Social Security, and we show you this in the article on Social Security. I'm preparing you. You can go look it up. There is no division of the funds. All the money that went into Social Security went into a general fund to be used by the government that was already in debt. Social Security is not just not solvent today. It's never been solvent. It's an essential quality of Social Security that it's operating with borrowed money. It's not going to work unless it's borrowed money. Not work for what it was meant to do. I mean, you all did read the Social Security Act, didn't you? <laughs> this guy thinks he knows law and everything. He didn't read the act. He doesn't understand what the act is all about. His father didn't read the act. His grandfather didn't read the act. They signed up. And it's always been called a voluntary system. You don't. You don't have to sign up. I knew guys and preachers who would not sign up and their children never signed up. 
they they were often persecuted, but then they also were not seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. They were close. I'm not saying these are bad people. I'm just saying they're under strong delusion. Do you know why people will go under that strong? It actually says God will send this strong delusion. And so the governments of the world are an instrument of that. That strong delusion that that you should believe a lie. So what is the lie that you're supposed to believe? And why does God send it? You know, I, it's it's really, it's really should be absolutely obvious to everybody. But unfortunately, it is not absolutely obvious to everybody. And so therefore, I, I had to spend lots of time trying to explain it. <laughs> but anyway, you know, you read Second Thessalonians 2.11, it says, And for this cause shall, you know, cause, God shall send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Is that going to happen or has that already happened? Are you already in the bondage of Egypt? Uh, yeah, you're already in the bondage of Egypt. You're already entangled again in the yoke of bondage. You're already merchandise. You're already human resources. You already have cursed your children and your fathers and your grandfather have cursed your children because you believed a lie. Because you didn't believe the whole truth. You weren't willing to accept the whole truth. You weren't... But now God breathes in and out. He withholds the Spirit. So I'm not condemning you. I'm just trying to say this is what you've done. You've gone the wrong way. You know, you go back to Thessalonians 1. It says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by coming to our Lord Jesus Christ, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him. They were gathering together in an international network of charity. They weren't just home churches. They were an international network of charity. They're going to all these different places, bringing funds, collecting funds, moving them about through the seven men and others, like Paul, to provide for the people when there were dearths and depressions and shortages amongst the Greeks or whatever. Are you doing that? Oh, no, we went out to the food bank and we gave out some food at the food bank to a few people. Locally. Made us feel really good. Like we're Christians or something. Meanwhile, the big bills are paid by our father in Washington. <laughs> who has been collecting his patrimonial right called tribute from us. Because we signed up with him instead of our father in heaven. Because we don't know what the church really is supposed to look like. Which is actually a government that operates according to the perfect law of liberty. Do you get it? Well, we'll give you, give you more when you come back.
So welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Are you ready? Because, you know, it's better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. You can go to any church today, any modern church today, and hear the song of fools. They'll sing about Jesus, and they'll sing about amazing grace, but they're not seeking the righteousness of God. I mean, they'll seek it to a point, and then they'll stop. They will not persevere until the end. They will not continue to strive because they are given the proverb. You must eat his flesh and drink his blood. Not the blood of your neighbor. Not the flesh of your neighbor. You can't bite out, take a bite out of your neighbor and seek, tell me you're seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And if you're taking benefits... From the fathers of the earth, from the benefactors who exercise authority, they're only taking, borrowing from the future children. They're biting your neighbor to provide you with those benefits. And that is why you're devoured back in bondage again. Now, I'm not, I'm not condemning you. I'm just saying where you are. What condemns you is that you will not hear the rebuke. You will not turn around and seek that kingdom. Gather together in congregations and give regularly into those congregations and seek ministers who give wisely so that you can create that international network of charity that is willing to help out Corinthian and Galatians and Ephesians alike. And we're looking for those. Somebody just wrote me today, and I he said he said send me books, uh, send me your pamphlets to da 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 da, and uh, you know I gave an address. That's it. You know, no detail like uh, I need I need your help. I don't have any money, or you know that uh, no harm. Just send me stuff. Send me stuff. So I looked up the email, looked up on Twitter uh, for the guy and stuff in Ashland, Kentucky. But uh, he wanted me to send this stuff. Just send him books, let's, you know, and books, I guess. I don't have the money to do that. Just to, You know, I don't hand money out the window to guys who have a sign. Has he joined the network? Is he seeking the kingdom or does he just want, you know, me to send him free books? I don't know. I'm not gonna. I'm not saying. I well, I sent him a link so he can download them all for free online. He's already online, so he can certainly download them for free and read them that way. Why should I print up a hundred dollars worth of pamphlets and mail to him? I I have done that for people, but I don't know him, and uh, he just assumes that they were supposed to do this. For all I know, he's. Weighs 300 pounds and is sitting there on a government welfare check, uh, sucking down uh, benefits with his EBT card. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know who he is. And so I didn't send him anything other than the links. But I also sent him links to the network where he can join the network and we can get to know him and see if he maybe needs real help. But the way you know I know somebody needs real help is that they want to help others. That's that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for those people who are actually loving their neighbor as much as they love themselves. Obviously, he wants stuff. Lots of people want stuff. 
I'm not here to give you stuff. I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here to tell you the truth about the kingdom. Now, what are you going to do with it? That's going to be up to you. So, anyway, the uh, these prophecies say that all these things are going to happen. I'm telling you, they're already happening. People are already workers of iniquity. And they're already under the strong delusion. And part of that is that they think that, you know, that churches are supposed to hand out wafers of bread and sing songs and uh, praise God. Uh, well, wait a minute. You know, Jesus says, not those who say, Lord, Lord. Not those, you know, the song of the foolish. But it's it's those who do the will of the Father. And the will of the Father is that you are not to covet your neighbor's goods. You're not to take a bite out of your neighbor. You're not to pray to men who are the fathers of the earth. And we show in great detail an article. All these articles we've been given this guy, I don't know what he's actually reading. He looked at some stuff, but I don't know how in-depth he looked at it. I mean, he's obviously an intelligent guy. He can read. And I think he's a caring guy. But he's under the strong delusion. So, you know, I have to attack his delusion. <laughs> That's my job. But all psychiatrists and psychologists tell you, never attack the delusion. But, you know, you, I mean, he he was led to come to us. And so we tell them the same truth we tell everybody else. Now, it's in, the ball's in his court. What's he going to do with it? Because he's going to have to admit that he's got it wrong. He doesn't understand the kingdom and how it works. He thinks somehow we're appointing ministers over uh, ourselves and over each other because we pick a minister. And we, we, we fill out a piece of paper that says, so-and-so is my minister. You get two or more witnesses like that, and then I see that witness, and then I accept that individual as a minister. It was exactly what Peter was doing. Look out amongst yourselves, pick men you trust, and we will appoint them over this matter. Well, how did he know the men you trust? You sent him a letter that said, we trust this guy. <laughs> he gets a couple of letters that say, these, they trust, these guys got the most letters. And then he looks about it, prays about it, and he appoints them based on their election. They still get to elect whether they're going to give those guys any money. <laughs> there's no taxation. There's there's tithing, but that's free will offerings. Now, what is all that money for? Were they building big cathedrals back then? No. They were taking care of the widows and orphans and needy of their society and pure religion unspotted by the world. And we show you that the word there for world is constitutional order or system of government. But this guy's charity is not unspotted by the world. <laughs> it's actually, he gets a check every month to pay the big bills. <laughs> so it is spotted by the world. Now, I'm not picking on him. Everybody's stuck in Everybody's got the mark of the beast. Everybody's in these systems. In every country, all around the world. And they have virtually no other alternative than those sources of a check every month to help take care of their parents, maybe their uh, their son who has a deformity, or their daughter who has a deformity, and they're getting this check. 
And that helps them get by. And without that check, they couldn't get by. I understand. I'm not saying stop taking the check. But seek the kingdom of God and the opportunity to stop taking the check will come. Because eventually the check's going to stop. <laughs> eventually the check is not going to be in the mail. <laughs> and then what are you going to do? You know, I mean, one of the things he responded at one time, he says, God never told us to rebel against the government. I never said anything about rebelling against the government. I never said anything about not paying your taxes. I'm saying seek the kingdom of God, which is a system operating by faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty. That's it. That's all I'm saying. Is turn around and start looking in another direction for your daily bread. I'm not saying starve now, but seek that other way. And you say, well, wait a minute, we've been going to church and we've been singing songs and we really love Jesus and we've been putting wafers of bread on our tongue and we've been putting the wine into silver chalices. I guess they couldn't afford a golden chalice. <laughs> I, I can probably, well, I would suspect that the wine at the Last Supper was not in a silver chalice. <laughs> just, just a rough guess that it was not in a silver chalice. But, again, do this in remembrance of me is, is the, the Passover meal was a ritual that was a metaphor and an allegory for what they were supposed to do every day. Provide for one another. Take care of one another. Care about one another. To go into the wilderness to worship God and practice pure religion, which is to take care of the needy of their society without the force of Egypt and the Pharaoh or Caesar or Nimrod or Cain. <laughs> but you're not doing it in your churches. You've gone the other way. You've come completely the other way. And every religion, religion used to be the pious performance of your duty to God and your fellow men. It ain't no more. It's become something else. Something else entirely. So what What are the big religions? Well, theoretically, Christianity still got 2.2 billion people following Christianity. Well, some are following it a little bit better than others. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Because a lot of these Christians are not really Christians. They're modern Christians. But they talk about Jesus. And they talk about Christianity. And they talk about some of the principles. But you've got to seek loving God with your whole heart, mind, and soul. These guys are not doing it. They're falling way short. Now, amazingly enough, the second biggest religion in the world is Islam. With 1.6. And they're they're quickly moving. It's what many consider it to be one of the fastest growing religions. But then again, when you have whole countries where... If you don't become a Muslim, they they kill you or beat you or tax you. You know, well, a lot of people are going to switch <laughs> rather than fight. That's just the way it is. Now, Hinduism is next at about a billion people. But Hinduism is all over the board, too. I mean, it, there's very little consistency in Hinduism. 
I mean, it's got some things that kind of thread through there, but and and you know, actually, some of the Hindu groups are aren't half bad, like the the Sikhs, which are not really Hindus. Sikhs, they got a lot of good things going on for them. Buddhists too. Some of the Buddhists have a lot of good things going on for them, but almost none of the Buddhists are really doing what Buddha said. Very few, very few are really doing what Buddha said. As a matter of fact, most of them are doing the opposite of what he said. And actually, if you study Buddha, Buddha was very close to the teachings of Jesus Christ, the original Buddha, the things he was saying. Except he said, the sight of me is not your salvation. He was very clear about that 400 years before Christ. He said, don't make me a god. So he wasn't claiming to be God incarnate or anything like that. And he would be absolutely appalled at what a lot of the Buddhists are doing, claiming to be following Buddha. And, you know, if you go to Hinduism, actually its roots go all the way back to Abraham. That's right. Hinduism goes all the way back to Abraham. And actually, if you you go into it in real great depth, it may even go back to Enoch, uh, at least in some of the original um, people that we know in the New Testament. But it's all been distorted, twisted. Now, Islam, I don't. I don't know Muhammad in the early days, but I know that Muhammad was doing all kinds of things that were really <laughs> not of Christ. Uh, I mean, and he admits it. I mean, the, the, they admit it. It's not a secret. I mean, his obsession with slavery and women and brutality and, you know, spreading the faith by force. It's all contrary. Now, at one time, he may have had some good ideas, but he was corrupted by the power that people gave him. And that's always a danger with ministries. And that's why, that's the temptations that face Christ. That he would turn stones into bread. What are the stones? That's his altars, the, the ministers. Turn them into bread for him. No, he was the reverse. He did not want to turn them into bread for him, a source of money for him. He wanted to wash their feet. And this is this is always the temptation. You know, if, if we were to actually start receiving the donations that people should be giving to their church and do give to other churches, the temptation is, are we going to start living higher on the hog? Or are we going to continue to live the simple life? Right now, the ministers really support the ministers. We're not supported by the people. Some of the costs and expenses of the ministry, I mean, the websites cost money and, and printing books cost money and we do give away some books and and there are a lot of overhead that we have. But if you work it down into what we get paid for hourly wage for the time that we put in, <laughs> uh, we're not getting minimum wage here even... Uh, you know, I mean, we're we're like those sweatshops in India where they're working for a dollar a day. <laughs> Once we pay the expenses, there's not much left over for us. No, the ministers are supporting the ministers here. But there's a lot of other religions, the Shintoism, Taoism, um, Judaism. You know, the Sikhs outnumber the Jews. Isn't that amazing? And... Uh, by almost double. Uh, well, actually, they do outnumber the Jews by double. But, boy, you hear a lot about the Jews. And But the reality is, 
the Jews today, most of the Jews today, and there's some really good people amongst the Jews, but they're not following Moses. They're not, I mean, Israel is not following Moses. That's for sure. You know, what they, you know, Israel over there in, in uh, what people call the Holy Lands, they're not following Moses. They're, I mean, they have unjust weights and measures. They have usury money, you know, a Federal Reserve system. They have forced draft. All the things they're not supposed to have. Uh, census, you know, I mean, David stopped taking the census because, you know, it was wrong. Stop building a stone temple because it was wrong. It's not what you're supposed to be doing. You know, uh, the temple is supposed to be made out of living stones. Always the case. So anyway, all these different religions and then within those religions are domination, uh, denominations. And domination as well. <laughs> that must have been a Freudian slip. We just did a study in... Uh, the Free Church Report, we do it every Tuesday. You should sign up on the network and get the details. And it's free. And you can ask questions. And we welcome those questions. And we go through little sections of the Free Church Report, which is a book designed to tell you how you can start gathering together according to the ways of the early church. And there's going to be a lot of stumbling blocks where people go, Oh! No, that's not right. That's, you know, that's like the Catholics or that's like the Mormons or that's like somebody else. No, it's actually like Christ. And we can show you. And if you got your questions, you can bring your questions to the, the it's only an hour long on Tuesday. And we just did the government of God and other gods because Paul said there were gods many. And Jesus said, ye also are gods. And so what does all that mean? And are there other gods today? And are you bowing down and serving those other gods? Well, actually you are. And you don't even know it. It's because they changed the definition of words. The meaning of words like religion, God, etc., etc. And you don't know what it means. And so we have to go back and see what it meant at the context of when it was written. Who were the gods many that Paul was talking about? And are there anybody like that today? And we explain all that. And... Then we record the call and uh, we put that up so that you can go and study on your own with lots of links so you can go to other articles. And you tell me. If you think I'm wrong, show me. You know? I mean, I I know I could be wrong about things. and uh, But I, I've done my homework. So far, nobody's been able to show me. You know, they can... You can sit in your, you know, your little booth or your little bedroom or you're on the couch there and and you can say oh well, he doesn't know what he's talking about he's wrong about this but you're the only one arguing you're the only one there at the calls you could actually ask a question challenge me and you could do that on the network anytime you can write onto the network and say i don't see how this can be so and we'll show you how it can be so or maybe you maybe like that one guy who said that you're appointing ministers over yourselves no we're not nowhere does it say anything like that whatsoever there is no hierarchy that is ruling over one over the other we don't we aren't doing that <laughs> you're projecting that because you you think in sound bites you know somebody says a word and you you go off on a tangent you need to quiet your mind you need to listen to god 
and you're listening to your own self because you think the Holy Spirit is some sort of an emotional creature. But anyway, I can explain all that later, and I can I, later, and I can actually tell you how to quiet your mind a little bit because it says in the Bible, "Be still and know." It doesn't say sing a lot of really nice songs and know. It says, "Be still and know." And you're listening to a still small voice, but your head is rattling on about what you think you already know. You don't know. You got it wrong. So anyway, um, next week we're going to do uh, church, uh, chapel, and congregation, and uh, and we already have a page up that goes through that, and we'll explain that. But in that article, we mention a thing called denominations. And uh, there's lots of denominations. You know, I said there's 2.2 billion Christians. Well, of those, there's about, there's over a billion Catholics. Now, there's a variety of Catholics, too. (laughs) But there's 800 million Protestants. And then there's Eastern Orthodox, uh, which is, you know, maybe 300 million. And, uh, then there's Oriental Orthodox, which is about 86 million, and another 85 million Anglicans. And then there's Restorationism and, and Non-Trinitarianism and Church of the East, and they're all much more minor. But And the Protestants, there's about 800 million uh, people, but there's 40,000 different denominations. <laughs> so... What's a denomination? And we're going to, I'm not going to tell you everything about denomination. I mean, you can look up the word denomination. A religious denomination is a subgroup within a religion that operates under a common name, a tradition, an identity. A Christian denomination is a generic phrase pointing to distinct body identified by religious characteristics such as a common name or structure or leadership or and doctrine. But to be Christian, the, the, the denomination must have a doctrine that is uniform with the doctrines of Jesus. And really, you know, I can show you almost every single denomination out there. They're not that uniform with the doctrines of Jesus. Because he says you're not supposed to be like the governments of the Gentiles who look to benefactors who exercise authority one over the other. And almost every single one of them, these denominations, look to those benefactors. They they apply to those benefactors. They Application is the same as prayer. They pray to the benefactors of the world, to the fathers of the earth, and say... Our Father who art in Washington, hallowed be thy name. Thy government comes when thy will be done (laughs) on earth as it is in Washington, (laughs) D.C. And we want your benefits. So uh, we'll do this and this and this and this and this and this. And because of that, you've gone into the bondage of Egypt. And scales have come over your eyes and you can't see. You have to be willing to see you're wrong in order to become right with God. If you're going to become right with God, you have to be willing to see you've been wrong. You've gone the wrong way. 
And you have to start edifying the church. We'll be back. And we'll tell you how to do that. And how not to do that. We'll be right back to Keys of the Kingdom. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, in the process of looking at all this stuff, uh, I happened to notice that somebody was talking about uh, Ted Wyland. I guess that's the right name, uh, uh, ministry. And he, and he posted a page, 10 Reasons Why Romans 13 is Not Talking About Secular Government. And uh, something in me said, secular government, what is that? Because there is a secularum that has to do with the meaning of the word world. But uh, that's not really where secular comes from. Secular supposedly comes from seculum, which is means generation or age. Uh, it has to do with the period of time in Latin. Even in Middle English, it had to do with the period of time. So, what's a secular government? That means the government of the times? Is that what that means? Well, Romans 13 really doesn't have to do so much, at least the first part of that doesn't have really anything to do with government. It has to do with rights. And all rights were bestowed upon men. God did not bestow any rights upon governments. You bestow the rights on governments. You give governments the right to rule over you. And you can do this in lots of different ways. You can sign a contract that says, I hereby now give the government the right to rule over me. Now, we have a thing that you sign when you give an offering to a minister, but it doesn't give him any right to rule over you. It doesn't give him any authority over you at all. It does. It's like a receipt. It's like you said, I'm giving this thing to him for the purposes of Christ. And that's your testimony. And you're giving him the power to minister that thing that you gave him. If you don't want to give him any more, don't give him any more. But he, he, you have begun a trust. You said, okay, I'm giving you this thing. Now the next time you give, you don't have to fill out another one. It's just a part of that same original thing that you said, I'm giving this to him. And you can break off that relationship anytime you want by saying, I'm not going to give to you anymore. Or I'm going to give to you less. You, I mean, it's up to you. But when you give, you give freely. And you give totally. You don't say, I'm going to give you this, but I want you to do this, 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 this with it. If you want that done with it, you go do it. Because if you can give him directions like that, then he's your servant. He's not Christ's servant. He's your servant. Now, we serve you. We serve the people. 
but we serve the people as Christ's servants. So whatever you give to him, you give to Christ, and that's what the paper says. And what that paper is, is his underwear. It's his covering, because he's naked. He doesn't have any authority until you give him authority over something. And the governments of the world, they don't want you to give them authority over something. They want you to go into debt. The governments of the world are in debt, and you say, I want to benefit from you. They're in debt already. And you're saying, I would like a benefit from you, and I want to sign up for your benefit program. But, you know, we're in debt already. If you sign up for our benefits, <laughs> you become responsible for our debt. That's how you become a surety for their debt, is you sign up for their benefits. You say, well, we had to. We're just little babies. No, your parents, I mean, you didn't sign anything. Your parents signed up. The kingdom of God is from generation to generation. Israel signed up in Egypt. 400 years later, their children were still in bondage. <laughs> That's how you do it. It's not, it wasn't, they weren't forced. They didn't have to go into Egypt. Nobody conquered them. What you see there is the error of the Nicolaitan and the, the stumbling block of Balaam. And that's what you've done. You've been conquered by your wantonness. By your willing to turn a blind eye to what is obviously, obviously, obviously a covetous practice because you know they're not giving you anything they have because they were already bankrupt. They're already without funds. They're only going to give you what they take away from others, those living and those not yet born. You knew that. I mean, it doesn't take a genius to figure this out. They're broke. They've been broke since the Depression, 1929. <laughs> they're in debt. They got the Federal Reserve going since 1916 or 13. What was it? I can't even remember now. But since uh, the first decade or second decade uh, of that millennium, and you all circulating debt notes and everything, you go off the gold standard, and then you know what? They start Social Security. Why? They need more collateral. <laughs> they need a bigger source in surety for debt. And as you, you struck hands with them. You, they're not believers. Oh, they probably claim to be a Christian just like you do, but they believe in force. That's Caesar. That's how they get the stuff they got to give you, is they force the contributions of the people. In Israel, the original Israel, it was all done with free will offerings. Given to ministers who could not exercise authority and could not get rich at your expense. So, you know, hey, figure it out. They were naked without authority, and so they sold them their underwear, which was just a covering, because you had to give them a covering, because they had no authority to receive your offerings, until you said, hey, I'm going to give them to you. And you bore witness that I'm freely giving this to you for the purposes of God. To take care of the widows and orphans and needy of society, in a system of sacrifice, 
What is the word sacrifice in Hebrew? Korban. <laughs> does it, does it, does it start? Your sacrifice are forced offerings. Social Security is a forced offering. But it's only forced because you signed up for the benefits. And you only signed up because you were under a strong delusion. Why are you under a strong delusion? For this cause I will send a strong delusion. So let's go back there. Where were we at? Second Thessalonians 2. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except that except there come a falling away first. You are already falling away with your vain religions and your false religions. And that a man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Perdition there is the word for destruction. And you, your destruction was already being set into motion way back in the 30s and the 20s and the teens. Who opposes and exalted himself above all that is called God. And we, if you go back and look at our, our last study, fifth recording, and the study of the Free Church Report. Go, I'm preparing you. If you have trouble, join the network. People will show you where it is. And uh, you tell me if people are not setting themselves above God. Or that is worship above all that is called God or that is worshipped. So that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now, personally, I think that a couple of those G's should have been small G's, if you want to get this. And that's one of the amazing things is in the Bible. Small G God, large G God, same word. So you got to know, you have to understand that God is an office. And some people are usurping the office of God, the Creator, by putting themselves in a place that only he should occupy. And then we would really want to look at that word worship. What is it to worship? And that's why, you know, they call judges in courtrooms your your worship. <laughs> that's what they call them, your worship. And, you know, they start out, many of the court cases start out, we pray to the court. <laughs> and the same exact word that we translate into God was used daily to address magistrates both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And you can see that right in the concordance. So I'm not making this up. It's just kind of, you know, don't hate me. I'm just, I'm just telling you the truth. You call it rebuke, but I need to do this for you. You need to receive it in the name of God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. So he's told them this before. And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Now he's talking about that time. There's the beast. And there's the image of the beast. Same thing applies for this time. 
And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. But the Lord cometh in the hearts of men. If you're having trouble with government and all that stuff, there's something you probably need to learn. And maybe God sent you to us to help you learn it. Because I'm not going to teach it to you. But I'm going to bear witness to it. It's God's got to teach you in your heart. If you will not accept it in your heart, there's nothing I can say that I'm sure you can come up with some logical, theoretically logical, reason why I'm wrong and you already know the answer. So if you already know the answer, have a nice day. (laughs) Be gone with you. I can't help you. Even him whose coming is after the workings of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Satan is this adversary of Christ. And anyone who promotes forced offerings over free will offerings is the adversary of Christ. And with all deceivableness and unrighteousness in them that perish because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. You see, it's always been the truth that these people are exercising authority over their neighbor in order to get the benefits they want. They're becoming a surety for debt in order to get what they want now. They were dead to the wisdom of Christ and therefore they believed the lie. We need to establish good word and work. So, comfort your hearts and know that now in your hearing, you know what it is we need to repent of. You know what it means to seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness, which is a network that is operating by charity and free will offerings. And it is your responsibility, every elder's responsibility to pick the right minister, to rebuke your minister, to encourage your minister, to help your minister, and encourage one another, to help one another, to learn to take care of the needy of your society through free will offerings, because the unrighteous mammon will fail. And putting a bread on your tongue, a wafer of bread on your tongue, is not the communion of Christ. The communion of, as a symbol of the communion of Christ. Neither did we eat any man's bread, he says here in Thessalonians uh, 3. For not, but wrought with labor and travail night and day that we might not be chargeable to any of you. Not because we have not power, Okay, now what word did he use there for power? Because there's a lot of words that are translated into power. Excusia. <laughs> Exousia, as uh, you, they would say in Greece. Exousia, which is the right to choose. We have the right as the servants of God to the tithings of the people. But we don't force them. They have to come by free will offering. But to make ourselves, he goes on to say, an ensample unto you to follow us. 
towards the kingdom and the righteousness of God. So we give up a lot to be the ministers of His church. And and uh, it's up to you. I mean, I, all I have is hope. I have to live by hope that you will turn around and start seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. So anyway, we were going to look at a number of things. Like I said, secular has to do with age. So was the government of God, the kingdom of God, a secular government? Yeah, of course, it's a secular government. It was the kingdom of God is from generation to generation and seculum means generation or age. It was at hand. They said there is another king, one Jesus. They're appointed that kingdom. They're operating in that kingdom. They're taking care of the needy of that society. The Christians were not going to the free bread of Rome. It's a secular government. It's not of the world. It's not of the constitutional system and order of, of government of the world. You know, that's one of the things that a lot of people don't recognize or don't understand when they read it. If you go back and you're reading in the Bible where it talks about, you know, Pilate and Jesus appearing before Pilate, then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers planted a crown of thorns and put it on the head. Now, why were the soldiers so upset with Jesus? Even the soldiers back in Herod's castle were upset with Jesus. Herod actually seemed to respect Jesus, but it was the soldiers who mocked him. Why? Because the soldiers were the guys who were holding together a forced government. But Israel, every man was a soldier. Every man had to attend to the weightier matters of law, judgment, and mercy, and faith. There was no professional policeman. Everybody was police. And everybody had to hear a hue and cry in order to make that work. It's a voluntary system, but you have to work to make the network work. work. Networks work when you work at networking. And you have to work at networking with a sense of law, judgment, mercy, and faith. I, I looked at this guy's book and read quite a bit of it. He doesn't understand law. He thinks he does because he has this false interpreter. If he could turn around and start seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness and see where some of these, we've just given him some of these delusions. You know, the, the evidence of some of these delusions he has that is common amongst most Christians. If he could just start receiving some of them and act upon those few, his eyes would really open up. But he's wondering why the blessings are, why he's being set upon and he's had all these travails and difficulties and everything. It's because he's not accepting the whole truth. It's right before him. But now God has sent us to show him what he could not see on his own. He should have seen these things on his own. He didn't. And he's he's got lots of company on that. Because a lot of people didn't see this until we pointed them out. But he, it still comes down to humility. You must be willing to see it. It goes on in the Bible. It says, and said, Hail! King of the Jews, and they smote him with their hands. So the, the, the soldiers didn't like this Jesus because they were all out of a job. No professional soldiers. Everybody has to take back the response. I mean, that's why you have police. I don't want to come to my neighbor's house when there's danger. I want to hire a policeman to come there. That's why I left police work. 
because they realized they didn't care. They they didn't care. If you don't care, I don't care. I still come to the aid of my neighbor, but I'm not going to be a professional policeman. And I'm not going to do that in the church either. Pilate, therefore, went forth again and said unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Now, you have to understand Roman law. Romans often scourge somebody to question them, to find out if they were really sincere, if they were really telling the truth. This is the way they tested people. You know, it's kind of like the Apache. They want to know, are you really committed to what you say? And if you get scourged and you don't recant, then you must be sincere. And this is the way the Romans did things. Not very popular today in this country, but they do it still in some countries. They want to know, is this just an idea? Or is this a conviction? You know, belief is not just an idea, not just something you think. It has to be a conviction. And so, scourging was a test of your conviction. And... Pilate saying, I find no fault in this man. He's already washed his hands of this thing. Then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robes. And Pilate said unto him, Behold the man. When the chief priests, therefore, and the officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. Rome didn't crucify him. They wouldn't do it. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. Well, all the Christians, all Jews were considered themselves the children of God. When they say Son of God, they mean the Son of God, the head Son. Well, who was the head Son under Israel when Joseph was there? You know, his father was saying Joseph is the head and they didn't like it. So what did they do? They cast him into bondage. What What are they doing here? Same thing. It's the same spirit. Now, what are you doing? If you're taking benefits from men who exercise authority, you're casting your brother into bondage. You're making your brother more assured, cursing him more with that, more of destruction. You're... <laughs> See, you're, you're creating the beast by praying to the beast and worshiping at his altars. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was more afraid. Uh, what the, was the Jews answered, we have a law that this guy made himself the son of God. And Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid. And went again into the judgment hall. So now this is where he's going to question Jesus again. And saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. And what does he mean? Whence art thou? You know, where do you get the authority to do this? What was making him afraid? Is he, is he the highest son of David? Is he the ruling judge of Israel? He, that's what he was afraid that this guy might be king. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have the power to crucify thee? 
I have the power to crucify thee. What's he talking about? Does he have the power to crucify him? If we looked up that word, because there's that word power again. Where Where is that? Again, that's in, we're in John 19. And if you were to look at that particular word, that word is what? Exousia. I have the right to choose to punish him, to execute him, to make him suffer. I have the power to crucify thee and have the power to release thee. It's his choice. And Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me except it were given thee from above. Therefore, he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. When it says above, they say that people think they mean from God. Unless God grants you that power. God already granted you the power of choice, but when did God grant you the power of choice over another? You don't have the power over another unless that individual gives you that power. When we fill out a sacred purpose trust form in order to get our two witnesses as to who is a minister and who is not a minister, he's not giving you're not giving him any power over you. You're giving him power over something you gave him. And this all comes back to... I'm not even going to tell you exactly. I mean, you want out of the system and you don't get this? Ridiculous. And I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you on the radio. I want to see you actually seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then, I mean, to me it's obvious. I can just see it. Evidently, to many other people, they can't see what's going on here. And I'm not going to tell you. Because it's only given to those who will really seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And Jesus was that way. Because the, he was telling the apostles all kinds of things he wasn't telling the general public. And they asked him, why do you always just tell them in parables? Because it's given unto them to know certain things that it wasn't given to the general public. So I'm not going to tell you. It's one of those mysteries. I actually have told you, but in a way in which you probably missed it. And hopefully you will turn around and begin to see it. Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power, exousia, at all against me, except if it were given thee from above, from the higher authority. Therefore, He that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin, because they delivered him to Pilate, and they had no right to do it, because he was king. And Pilate has already begun to accept this, because he realized that he was king and washed his hands of the whole thing. He is the rightful heir. Jesus is a genius at the law. Unfortunately, this fellow in Washington who's written this book doesn't get it yet. And from henceforth, Pilate sought to release Jesus. He was trying to set Jesus free. But the Jews cried out, saying that if thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. 
whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. But then Pilate devised a plan. It went astray, but he devised a plan. We'll tell you what that plan was when we come back. <laughs> Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, I told you I'd tell you what uh, his uh, plan was. And he had a, it depends on whether you're reading uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John uh, as to understanding exactly how this works. But it also depends on whether or not you actually know history. And Rome was there because there was a dispute over who was the rightful king. And then after they got there, then there were a few other... Uh, times when people tried to usurp an authority over Rome and Roman property, and uh, they were kind of uh, ended up being uh, conquered a little bit. But technically, Judea was not yet a conquered nation. It just simply was not yet a conquered nation. It wasn't conquered until about 66, 67 uh, A.D. But anyway, what Pilate's plan was, there was a guy named Barabbas, which actually means son of the father. And his actual first name was Jesus, Jesus Barabbas. And uh, and uh, he offered to release one of these two individuals, whether of the twain, ye that I release unto you, Barabbas, Jesus Barabbas, or Jesus of Nazareth. He believed it's very clear because he was trying to figure out a way he could just release Jesus. And he knew he could release somebody. But he needed to have input from them because he was afraid to do it on his own. And so he thought, Barabbas, this guy wants to kill the Pharisees. He wants to murder them. Uh, he, he was kind of a zealot and a rebel leader. See, he was claiming to be son of the father too. He was claiming to be the heir and king. And so they had a choice now. Get rid of Jesus or get rid of Barabbas. And Pilate thought they would want to get rid of Barabbas. And so he said, well, which one do you want released? And they said they wanted Barabbas released and not Jesus. And he was he was stunned at this. And he argued, you know... So what should I do with this man? And they said, crucify him. And so he was backed into a corner. He just—he was politically weak in this. And and the fact is, is you know, a lot of people don't realize this, but uh, Pilate is considered a saint by many uh, Orthodox Christians. And uh, because of the fact that he went out and started churches and everything, him and his wife both became devout Christians. 
And he, he lost all political power after that. And there's some evidence that Jesus and Pilate had met before. They actually knew of each other. And they met again after the resurrection. So Pilate is a very interesting character. But uh, people have a lot of preconceived notions about him. And you don't need to believe all the extra historical evidence. But you need to read the Bible in the context of history. Why were they in the pavement? What was the pavement used for? You know, uh, why... Why there? What does it mean to be in the judgment seat? What does it mean to wash your hands of this? And people just don't know that. And and the, like the individual trying to explain to me what Corbin was based on his reading of the Bible. His reading of the Bible is heavily skewed by what he's already been taught. And we showed him the articles on baptism that show that uh, Herod and all kinds of countries, all the, all the Greek uh, city-states had systems of social welfare. Nimrod had a system of social welfare. The benefits of Nimrod. I mean, he was a mighty provider of benefits instead of the Lord. That's what they call him, Nimrod. And and that's how governments get power. The greatest destroyers of freedom are the givers of gifts, gratuities, and benefits. These are basic principles. Governments don't just come into existence. People create them because they say, they see some value that it's going to provide for them. And they give somebody power and then that, that power corrupts them. And this is why Jesus was talking about these temptations that he knew he was going to be priest and high king, you know, a king and high priest. And so therefore, he knew there was the danger of this corruption. But he withstood that temptation. And we warned, just recently, we warned the people of the network that as you pick your congregational ministers, don't give them power over you. Don't give them power over your decisions. And there's lots of ways to do that. This should be an elder-run church in the sense that the elders, the elders uh, take back their responsibilities. I cannot give you back your families and your possessions Cannot, God is not going to provide them back to you until you take back your responsibilities. And your responsibility is going to include giving and forgiving. You do not judge. I'm not judging this individual who is under a strong delusion as well as all the other millions and millions and millions of billions of Christians that are under the same strong delusion. I'm not judging them. I leave judgment to God. I'm just telling you how it works. And I don't just say this. I show you in the context that that the government has no exousia, no right to choose until you give it. And there are many ways you give it. A whole book showing you how you give the power to choose to the government. One is you eat at their table. What does Proverbs tell you? If you sit and eat with a ruler, you'd be a man of appetite, put a knife to your throat because he served deceitful meats. What did David tell you? What did Paul tell you? What should have been for your welfare has become a snare. What did Peter tell you? That through covetous practices you would be made merchandise and you would curse your children with the same destructive bondage. And you would become, you would strike hands and become a surety for debt. Everybody who signed up from Social Security from day one was becoming surety for the debt of the United States federal government. 
It was already into debt. The Supreme Court ruled almost immediately that there is no division of funds. If the United States is in debt, Social Security is in debt. If Social Security is in debt and you got the number, you're in debt. That's just fundamental basic law. You can't get away from that. I mean, that is just so, so 101. It, it, it is not even needs to be, it should not even need to be argued at all. But people who who look into, try to learn the law with their own personal agenda, they can neither interpret the law nor the Bible. You have to come at this with a humble heart to see the truth. And the truth will set you free. But you must be willing to see it. If you won't see it, it ain't going to set you free. It's actually going to bring you into bondage. You cannot deny the truth and become free. It's not going to happen. You've already got the mark of the beast. You're already in the bondage up to your ears in bondage. So anyway, we were going to talk a little bit about these denominations. And like I said, there's all these different groups and everything. What is this denomination? I may save some of this to talk about when we do uh, churches and chapels. Uh, but... Uh, and Paul preached against denominationalism, you know, because that's what was happening. You're getting baptized by Apollos or baptized by Paul. And then they were saying, you know, they were creating denominations, you know, Paulians, <laughs> Apollians, <laughs> Apolloans or whatever you would call them, uh, or Lutherans or Methodists. There is no denomination. There is only one denomination, and that is Christ. He is our denominator. You must be in conformity to the teachings of Christ. And he said, not covet. He says, not that you say, Lord, Lord. That is, you do the will of the Father, and the will of the Father includes the commandments. I mean, the fellow was talking about this being the Sabbath. And, of course, it is technically on many calendars. Although some people will, you know, they're operating with a lunar calendar on a day-to-day -day basis. Lunar calendars were only for feasts and festivals so that we would end up with a full moon and a festival so that everybody would have some light <laughs> when they're out there camping. <laughs> That's why you have it. So this desire for knowing the truth and, and keeping the Sabbath. Sabbath is about debt. You work first and then you have your day of rest. Well, this fellow, he likes to say, well, my grandfather worked and the Social Security Administration took his money away and then now we're just getting it back. No. <laughs> That's like, I gave money to the church and so now I get to go in and rob the church. <laughs> you don't get to do that. There, your money is gone. You bet on the wrong horse. You lost the bet. They, they, they do not want to make the government solvent. I mean, the powers that be don't because they know they have you in bondage. You have to forgive that. You just have to say, you know, like I did. You know, they actually came back to me and said I paid too much and they wanted to refund money. <laughs> I wouldn't even take the refund. I said, no, keep it for any trouble I might have caused. And I did not, you know, I didn't claim to be a belligerent claimant in person or anything. I said, 
you know, I've got this number by mistake. And all the money I paid in, I let it go. I'm not collecting anything from Social Security. Nothing. I could be. Uh, I think my first check would be over twenty, thirty thousand dollars because I've never collected. But uh, I, I don't know. I haven't calculated it up. But just based on what other people tell me who started collecting late, and uh, they could have collected earlier, and they end up getting all their back <laughs> Social Security back for quite a ways. I think there's a limit on it, but I don't know. I haven't looked into it. Not going to go there. I've made this commitment, and I'm looking for other ministers who want to make this commitment, but not to save themselves, but to save others. Christ didn't come to save himself. He came to save others. And so I'm rebuking you that you have not been following the ways of Christ. You need to gather together in that international network of charity, and you need to give. And you need to forgive the world. Don't be angry at the world. They're under a strong delusion. I don't know which of them will repent and which of them will not. I don't need to know. I need to just say, make straight the way of the Lord. God will sort them out. Jesus said that from that form of Corban made the word of God to none effect. That that sacrifice, that's what Corban means, the sacrifice of the Pharisees was making the word of God in effect because it wasn't based on charity. It was a socialist type system of sacrifice. You had to sacrifice. And there were scribes to take an accounting of did you pay the full amount? And Jesus goes through a whole parable and says, okay, how much do you owe? You owe this so much? The scribe knows how much you owe. He says, what can you pay? You get to choose. You, he's giving you the exousia, the liberty of choice to decide what you can give. No matter what you give, we mark down paid in full. He's telling you how the kingdom of God works. We know how the kingdoms of the world work, or at least some of us do. <laughs> they take away your liberty because they offer you gifts, gratuities, and benefits, and you go and gobble them up and say, well, we have a right to them. Because we paid in. Everything we paid in is gone, but we still have a right to get it back, even though it means taking from your neighbor and your neighbor's children and grandchildren. That's what you're telling me. You don't know that you're telling me that because you haven't thought this out. And you haven't thought this out clearly because you have a mental block, a strong delusion against seeing the truth about you, about your fathers and your grandfathers before you. They have not been going the way of Christ. Now, it's not a matter of condemning them. As many as I love, I also rebuke, living and dead, so that they might live again. Jesus came to take that kingdom away from one group who was operating with that system of Corban, making the word of God to none effect, and give it to another group who are willing to offer, operate according to the righteousness of God and give back the choice to the people. And that's what we're doing. We're giving back the choice to the people. But we're naked. We have no authority. And so therefore we ask you to bear witness the fact that you accept us as a minister. We're only servants. You're saying that we believe this man to be a minister of Christ in hopes that he may serve Christ 
us in our time of need. And without your witness, we have nothing to show the world because you it's by two or more witnesses that we establish all things. Now, for you to see that we are the ministers of Christ, that requires revelation. And revelation will come to those who are willing to see the truth about themselves. You have to see the truth about yourself first. And then not only can you see who is a minister of Christ, you can see when he begins to stray and you can rebuke him. This is a mutual relationship, but it's not an unincorporated association. Another topic that we will attack on the Free Church Report, uh, probably this Tuesday, we will attack it a number of times, but... uh, the church, the congregation of the people is not an unincorporated association. Lawyers are always trying to put us into that category. The church is the corpus of Christ. That's the ministers. They belong to Christ. They're the bond servants of Christ. The congregation of the people. Those are free souls under God. And it is the job of the ministers to make that a possibility. To keep that door open. That opportunity open. And to do so requires that you become the the ministers and the people become the benefactors who don't exercise authority one over the other. You have to become the people seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And that's not not like just something. Christ is the door. You, You can't go through that door without Christ coming into you. You're just not going to fit. But know this, the whole of Israel operated by free will offerings. The whole of the early church operated by free will offerings. They took care of all the needy of society through free will offerings. If you're not seeking a system like that, earnestly, with your heart and your mind and your soul, you would not, will not, should not be free. And neither should your children because the kingdom is going to pass from generation to generation. I know some of you have are great people and have great children. And some of you, your children have already grown up and they're a mess. <laughs> but but that is, you can turn that around even. I tell you that when you are willing to see the whole truth, you open up your heart to the power of God coming into you. And that power can work miracles. I see it all the time, but I'm not going to tell you about it because I don't want you to believe by signs and wonders. I want you to believe because you see down in your heart that that's you want to be like Christ who comes to serve rather than be served. The word disciple means student. And he told his little group of students, disciples, that they had to give up all their property and own all things in common. That was the disciples that owned all things in common. Because you remember the church's returning Christ was to return every man to his possessions and to his family. But the church, like the called out in the wilderness, had another role to play. They're, they're not better. They don't have more authority. But they have a different mission. They're a different part of that form of government. 
They can't exercise authority, but they have to exercise charity. They have to be a special kind of person, but only God can make them that special kind of person. To be his disciples and eventually the ministers of his appointed kingdom, they had to meet those qualifications. So all these church denominations claim to be the church. What are their fruits? Well, their fruits are that um, over 60,000 perished during the conflict imposed across Europe while at the same time the Catholic Church began crowning kings over Oh, 60, did I say 60,000? 60, 60 million perished. Kings over uh, one community of people after another until the governments ruled vast areas with or without the people's consent. And this all happened a thousand years after the fall of Jerusalem. That the this powerful church began to crown men, kings, over others. And killed over 60 million people through an inquisition. Destroying, almost destroying the true church entirely, except many of them went underground. About 500 years later, the Protestant Reformation attempted to go back to what the early church was intended to be. But they too often brought with them ideas about the church that were not wholly Christ ordained. They were found dividing people by their private interpretation. These were the denominations of Protestantism. The church was to bind the people by love alone, not by not by these edicts from ministers who often end up serving themselves more than they serve Christ. The ministers of Christ are the servants of Christ, not servants of the people, and certainly not the servants of other ministers within their denomination. It is not a top-down. There is rank in the kingdom, but it is not a top-down. It is servants of servants of servants of servants. The more you serve others, the higher in rank you get. But that rank doesn't give you power over others. It, it gives you more responsibilities to others and to Christ. And it's hard for a lot of people. It's like juggling. You know, I can I can juggle. You know, I can juggle three oranges or tennis balls or whatever. <laughs> but can you juggle four? Can you juggle five? Can you juggle six? And in other words, keep that many in the air because you can only hold two at a time. So... How do you keep that many in the air? So you have to keep all these ideas up together in a pattern. They're not just randomly thrown up. They're thrown up in a pattern and they circulate around. And and you have to see all the different aspects of that in order to get this clear view of the kingdom. What was really going on? Like I said, Jesus was a genius. And I'm not going to explain all the de details Denominations of Christianity is based on Christ as the one common denominator. So Christians will be doing what Christ said and he wanted us to attend to the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith, which includes caring for the needy, 
of our uh, our neighbors and the widows and the orphans and uh, of our society through pure religion. That's what pure religion is defined as by James. In matters of health, education, and welfare, and old age. Whatever. Now, children should be taking care of their parents, honoring their father and their mother. That's what it means, fatten, to take care of. And, you know, like there are some people in our network that have a dozen or more children, or half a dozen children. Well, what's that? You know, if they bought their parents a uh, or the equivalent of a uh, Starbucks coffee a day, and you got ten kids, <laughs> parents don't need Social Security. <laughs> and you take care of your parents so that your days will be long upon the land. You say, well, my parents are dead or I don't have any kids. Well, then you should be helping raise other people's kids because they're the ones who are going to take care of you. But instead, the modern Christians have gone the error of Balaam and Nicolaitans and they are not going the way of Christ. And so that's why the world is in the state that it's in. All I can say is repent. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be given unto you. Until then, peace upon your house. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.